So, uh, welcome to everybody. We've got uh, Anthony Healy uh, on the line. It's the Managing Director for H&M Removals. Um, he, Anthony, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. Thanks very much, Albert. So, Tammy and myself, and we're sitting in the studio and now we, we wanted to talk to you, uh, Anthony, and just sort of start off you. Give us a quick overview of your business, if you don't mind. I can do that. Um, business was founded in 1992, um, founded from a uh, dining room in, a, in, a, in the southern suburbs of Cape Town. Um, I obviously had an entrepreneurial flair. I was, before I started the business, I was actually an investment in the investment industry. So it was quite, a, it was quite a, a, a swing to go into the transport space. But uh, being young and with no commitments and having that entrepreneurial flair within me, I decided to get involved with another guy by the name of Peter Milk, which he's no longer with with us anymore. He was bought out in in the bought out in the business in the in the late um, in the late nineties, ninety-nine. Um, and the business evolved from doing domestic household removals locally. Uh, when the opportunity came, we picked up a a joint um, lease with another guy because he needed he didn't need the space and we got into the storage, and then the business evolved from being doing domestic household removals on a local basis and storage, moving into a commercial space which we started to go into in the late in the, the late nineties about ninety seven. I think one of the strategic things that we did was we we um. We bought into property, which we did that in the, about 96, 97, where, where we saw where our head office is still today, um, which gave us a strong foundation, which I think is always an important thing to do with any business because, as you alluded to before we started this interview, is that um, if you want to build a business, you always need to build it on a strong foundation, being that you need some form of collateral. And uh, banking institutions and things always like to have some kind of collateral to fall back on when you're obviously growing uh, a business from a micro enterprise, a small, medium, and then obviously into a medium-sized business. It always it always boils down to a balance sheet, and that obviously always uh, focuses around brick and mortar in some form or another. So yeah, so that's how we sort of evolved, and then um, I think. Where we really started to change the dynamics of the business, as I alluded to, when, when my business partner that we moved out of, we had a, I have another partner by the name of James Miller, which is still with me today, and we started moving more into commercial side of the business because it's a perfect fit. But what we did was we evolved the business because we saw the gap in the market from a, you know unique selling properties from a point of view of getting into high end manufacturers. Uh, being in the the office furniture space and the the retail space, but more for bespoke kind of furniture, not not mass not mass furniture, because yeah. it fits hand in glove with moving Mrs. Um, Jones, so, so to speak. Because obviously, if you if your guys are trained, and your skill set is around household removals. It's a natural fit to go into new furniture, be it uh, office or retail. Okay, so that sort of gives you an overview of where we. Where we've come from, I hope. Yeah. So, I mean, you're far from what your business is, H&M Rules. Of course, that's at the core and foundation of it. Um, as you grew into those different industries, um, you sort of expanded your reach, uh, went into a different sort of client base. Did you see just 
growth in turnover or did you see more profitability as that grew and was that a good decision looking back at it? Absolutely. I think I think the critical thing was if you actually look at when we started our business, it was 1992, where, where obviously that was when the country was evolving and moving into the new dispensation. So the reality of the situation was there was a lot of movement in household renewals, but the reality of the market also changed in the, um, from a point of view of the consumer base that we were servicing. Uh, the, the, the opportunities came, especially in the transport space, where post-1992, a lot of the business was driven around permits, permits um, to move furniture around South Africa on the household side. And post-1992, uh, post um, it opened up into more the free market, so it allowed more operators to come in, which meant that you were playing more in a crowded space, especially on the domestic market. And if you really wanted to grow a business into a sustainable model, you had to, you had to look at diversifying. And um, the Lionel space is obviously where you want to play because that the barrier to entry is a lot higher to get into that. And also the logistics of setting it up is, is, is also a difficult one. But in saying that, household also has changed drastically from a point of view of the kind of volumes we used to move for people in the mid-90s to the kind of volume we move today has actually dropped tremendously because people live in smaller complexes uh, security estates, which I think you've seen mushroom all over your part of the world, yeah. and it's also started to come into the South African market. A lot of stuff is pre-built into furniture, so that market started to die. So we had to reinvent ourselves as a business, and to reinvent ourselves is where we saw niche markets, which I've already alluded to. So that's how we've had to move our market, our, our business model. And if you don't mind me asking, the the property side that you've uh, started investing in, um, which is a great core to have at your business, um, did that serve you well in times that you found yourself in the last three months? Um, and how have you found it? How has this last three months been? And, and has your business needed to adapt? Yeah, it's a good, good question, that. Um, yes, I think if anything in this economic environment, Everything is based around a balance sheet. Okay, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you look at uh, trade, to give you an idea, because we were not seen as an essential service, which was in the April month, we were totally closed down. Yeah. So the advantage we had there in that space, obviously being closed down, we couldn't service the furniture retailers and, and the office furniture manufacturers and also the private individual. The only space that we had which gave us a form of, of annuity to our business was our storage side of our business. And that and that fits hand in glove with our property with our property portfolio. But don't be fooled, property being in the property space or in the storage space as a rather say doesn't generate you profits. What it does is it generates you turnover which services your property model. Yeah. So the bottom line is um, it's a long, it's a long, it's a long end game. Um, so we're not actually in storage; we're actually in property. That's what I'm trying to imply to you. So the the new the annuity yield that we get from our storage base services our property our property model. Yeah, and, and like you say, your 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 book and then cash flow. Um, so I'm sure that 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 was a handy. Yeah. Handy. Well, cash flow cash flow disappeared. Um, yeah. So so you you asked me the question. Yes, balance sheet allowed you to go back to the banks and yeah. say, right, we've got an asset base. Um, if you look at our asset base against liabilities, 
Um, you can see it from a trading point of view, we, we did, but there's, there's more than enough meat on the bone to be able to extend us extra facilities because they obviously know that they've got collateral to fall back on. And commercial and home transfers that obviously went to a standstill, has that affected you um, also? Um, yeah, very much so. Obviously, from I think it was around about last month, from the 12th of May, when the household when the household started to move again, we had a we had a natural bubble where, where everybody that had been banked up from uh, post the COVID lockdown from the end of uh, March, running right through all those people that had to be moved. So we had um, quite a quite a quite a significant uptick there. But saying that, uh, the month of May, our turnover was only around about. 40% of what we projected from the previous financial year. Um, yeah, so that did have a material impact. But unfortunately, the reality is that um, the people I think that were affected the most, which which is of concern, is is, is the is the employee. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've taken major strain. Um, but the reality is we've had to obviously make decisions, hard ones, in the interest of rather keeping the business sustainable and making sure that you keep employing people even though you might have an element of collateral damage. So that's the reality. You know, we, we have, a while back I spoke for just a few minutes on survival because everybody sort of had a negative connotation to it and, and, and there was almost a sense of uh, failure attached to it. And I said that survival is, is a very strong word to use at the moment because if we don't, if we don't do what we need to do as business owners at the moment, there's no fight back in the future anyway. Um, you know, whether that's gaining up or making up for employment or, um, so we believe that if you use it in a positive way um, and seen as a positive way, there has to be some decisions that needed to be made, but it's needed for the future. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, I think the critical thing is just communication to your yeah. staff, yeah. them through the process, Tell them that you're not you're not doing things you're not playing the you're not playing the the, the, the man you're playing the ball if you understand what I'm saying. So yeah. the reality is certain decisions you have to look at where there's redundancy in your business to keep your business sustainable. Because in our business, I think the most critical thing is our business is stable, it's financially secure. Business is gonna the business will be there after post COVID. But what my concern is, and I think from a strategy point of view going forward, and I think this might be a lot of companies in the same boat as us in the SA market, is that what damage it's done to your customer base. That's that's the unknown at the moment. What What is your customer base going to come out like? Do we have to reposition our business? Do we have to resize the business? That time will tell, and nobody knows that at the moment. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, I won't keep you from asking two more questions. I, and just on service, um, uh, service is something that we believe so dearly in this company. Um, we believe that it's that it has to be at the core foundation of your of your strategy, and we believe there's a commercial rand value to service. Um, do you? I see that you also place quite a lot of attention onto it in some of your written communication online. Is that still something at your core? Uh, absolutely. Service is, is a critical component, as, but as I said to you, we, we, we're as good as our last job, and this is the, this is the risk of our business, unfortunately, um, and that's also possibly why we also remodeled our business over time, being a core, core from where we come from, and we don't lose the fact that we are a household removal business and storage business, but the reality is there's a very much high emotional attachment to that space. Yeah. So, so you've got to be careful that you don't overbuild 
your model around that because your service levels unfortunately do drop because it's a cyclical business. So yeah. what invariably happens is that you thin out your staff base. So you don't. You might have 30 moves at the end of the month. Um, you might be doing on average, say, 10 or 15 a day. I'm just using an example. Yeah. But your staff complement get thinned out, so you end up ending up dropping your service level. So what you want rather do is have a core group of good quality guard staff because your removal, your removal is not the brand that you're moving with. It's actually the guys on the day. Yeah, absolutely. They dictate how good your move is or not. Yeah. If they get out of bed in the morning and they've, they've had a fight with a family member the night before and they go to work, it, it could be de- detrimental to that specific day when they're moving the furniture. So, so yeah, on the commercial side, it's more impersonal. Yeah. In other words, if something goes wrong on the service levels, it's all about how do we fix that problem and give the customer ultimately the third party because we're dealing with a manufacturer or retailer that's ultimately servicing a customer. So we've got to make sure, we call it a knock for knock. So what we do is we'll make sure we get another another new item to replace that other item if it's scratched or dinged or damaged. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it becomes very impersonal. So it makes it easier to to grow that side of the market. Of our um, Anthony, in, in closing, your worst business decision, what have you learned from it? And perhaps if you have a message for entrepreneurs and fellow people in your position and us and, you know, just as a South African, any message to us? I think complacency is your, your most dangerous thing to do in business. Um, and, and, and I can be a testament to that where I had complacency at one point in my business where I had to reset the business from a point of view of your 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 staffing side. What actually happened is we had an element of fraud that brought that came into our business because we incentive became complacent and we trusted certain people that grew with the business, but maybe we should have really looked at them and actually seen if their skill set was a, a an ability. And unfortunately their trustworthiness should have been possibly checked and, and reset from time to time. So I think anybody in business needs to not just take things for granted when having people that have been with you for many years, because unfortunately, sometimes the character is not the reality of who they really are. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and tell us, do you have any sort of positivity or any real message or negative message that you would like to share with South Africa? Positive message. Oh wow! Um, look, my nature, my nature is positive. I always look at at the, at the glass being full, not being half empty. Um, I think, I think, if any, in in any case, I think positivity um, should naturally radiate within your process of whatever you do in business. I think if you look at it negative, you're never going to get ahead. So always look at the positive side of decision-making process, be it right or wrong. Because you'll learn from that. You'll learn from that mistake. And, and obviously, most important, make sure you learn from it because it's a very, it's invariably always, always is a costly, a costly decision when you make the wrong one. So that's my, that's my take on it. I'm a positive, by nature, I'm a positive person. Uh, you're speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same, Anthony. My wife was looking at me at the room and she was like, I found another one. And I, 
I said we, we a while back, um, a few years ago, we did an exercise for a client and we simply introduced some positivity into their business in the mornings with their staff and the routines. It was quite a staff compliment. And efficiencies uh, and customer service improved between 4 and 7% um, at a very little cost um, implementing it into the business. So I'm very happy you shared that with us because there's, again, in business, we always say, uh, what's the value, and, and that's we feel has a massively financial value um, and, and business brand value to your business. Couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely, uh, Anthony. Thank you so much. It was really a privilege to speak to you, and and um, such a large company to that with so much positivity and so much uh, growth over these years and adaptability. We certainly learned a lot from this personally, and and I hope a lot of our listeners will will do so. Thanks very much. I hope, I hope I added value to the conversation. You yeah, I certainly did. Thank you, Anthony. Okay, keep well. Thank you. Okay. All the best. Thank you, Thank you Candice. Uh, uh, Anthony, sorry. So I just wanted to say to you, um, do you mind on a personal note? Thank you very much for, for waking up in the morning and all your staff and, and everybody there as human to human, that you also fight for the economy. Um, and um, we are very grateful for that on a personal note, Anthony. Well, I'd much appreciate it. You know, this is what it's all about. To create, to create positivity out there. Absolutely. We bless you okay. in your business. Thank you. Cheers, okay. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye, Candice. Bye-bye.